Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin. I'm Melissa Vera, your host. Today I'm joined by Meredith Masony. She is the author of Ask Me What for Dinner One More Time. It's basically a book, a really funny poke at motherhood and just family life in general. And within the first, I would say, first two chapters of the book, I was sent as a copy for review. I knew I had to have her on Chats from the Ball Cabin. She is so funny and so hilarious. And actually, in this interview, she's a little bit more serious. But I really love the fact that she's basically telling other moms, hey, it's okay to feel this way. So I really hope you enjoy this um, episode. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with her. And so you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I am joined by, I honestly think you're my idol because you wrote this book. This book is so hilarious. I absolutely love it. But Meredith, ask me what's for dinner one more time. Inappropriate thoughts on motherhood. It's an amazing book, guys. It is so funny. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, it it was, uh, you know, it, it started out, they wanted, I think, more of something that was a little more like a novel from me. And I was like, no, 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 I don't do that. I tell stories. And each story doesn't necessarily connect to the other by any stretch. Mm-hmm. These are just my thoughts and things that have happened. And if you want to hear my stories, it's like, it's almost like chapter books for moms. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not, it's it's not by any stretch the next great American novel, but it is supposed to, and the goal is that it's supposed to be a support to moms and give you a laugh and give you a shoulder to, to vent and cry on. And that was, that was the purpose of it. So hopefully that's what it's doing. So before we get more in depth with the book, tell us a little bit about yourself, Meredith. Oh, geez. Oh, geez, Louise. Oh, let's see. I'm 40. I have a 14-year-old son, a an 11-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old son. Um, we moved in the middle of a pandemic, which was a brilliant idea. Um, and we now live in Northeast Florida. And uh, I have been doing this and I say this, I've been doing um, the podcast, the writing books, doing sketch comedy, um, stand-up comedy, uh, working with, uh, working to create content for brands for six years now. Wow. I honestly say that I think within the first chapter, once I got, once your publicist sent me the book within the first chapter, I'm like, I have to interview this chick because yeah. she is so funny. Just some of the things I'm like, I'm glad I'm not the only mom that thinks this way, you know? Well, I think most of us think that way. It's just, who's going to say it? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I've always said, I'll say it. So you don't have to like, you don't have to be the bad guy. I'll be the bad guy. It's fine. Uh, I know a lot of what I say is definitely unfiltered, mm-hmm. but I believe that there there is too much of a filter on a lot of what we see, and it, everybody is concerned with um, showing the proper picture and writing the post, you know, in such a way that it's not going to offend anyone, and making sure that things are done in a manner so that it's palatable for all. And there's no such thing as palatable for all. 
that's not a thing. I mean, like, think about it. You can meet somebody and they can gripe about a slice of cake when it's, and it's like, it's cake. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, we're eating cake, but you, somebody can have a problem with eating cake or mm -hmm. drinking a glass of wine or having a great cup of coffee. So to me, it's like, you're not going to make everybody happy. So you may as well say the things you want to say. Do you think that's the secret of your success? Because you have what, over a million followers, correct? Um, we're getting ready to cross 3 million on Facebook. Uh, which has been very exciting. That's pretty much my, um, that's my big platform. That's where I started. Now we're, we've branched out. We're, we're about 350,000 on Instagram. Um, I just started a TikTok, Lord save us all. I do not understand that at all. But of course, everybody's like, you got to have a TikTok. You got to have a this, you got to have. So we're, we're branching out. But, um, you know, the goal is just to reach out to moms, women, wives, and just say, hey, it's okay. You're not alone. We're all, we, you know, we, we are all going through very similar things. Um, so just, you know, take, take a second, relax, you know, have a laugh. Because if you don't laugh, you're just going to cry a lot, a lot. Now, in your bio, it says you were a former teacher and you had a health scare. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I did. I taught for, I think, 13 years. So for a while, uh, I taught middle and high school. And um, I loved I loved the a lot of aspects about teaching. Um, some of the uh, <laughs> lesson planning and things like that, I was not great with because I am I am absolutely organized chaos. So that was never my strong suit when it came to teaching. I and 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 I taught, let's be clear, I taught history, but for the bulk of my career, it was PE and health. So mm -hmm. I was playing kickball with the kids. I was teaching sex ed. And these were things that, you know, I, I enjoyed doing because I think I have such a sarcastic nature that, mm -hmm. um, you know, sex ed was always fun for me. And I know people would be like, oh my gosh, how could you ever talk to a group of high school kids about sex? And it's like, well, because everybody going to have sex. <laughs> Everybody's going to do these things that, you know, procreate, whatever, like you may as well talk about it and give them information and in, in an entertaining way. So I enjoyed my job. Um, but in uh, 2014, I did have um, what I call now a, I was, I was given a gift. Um, I found out that I had a, a an esophageal tumor and due to the location of said tumor, I could not have a biopsy done. So they, they didn't know if it was cancer or not. And so they basically gave me um, a couple of weeks to quote unquote, get my affairs in order. And let's be honest, we were two teachers um, with not a nickel to our, to our names and three kids. I was 34 at the time, three young kids. Um, so I didn't really have any affairs to get in order. I was just worried about who was going to continue to feed my family and wash their laundry. Like those were my concerns. Um, so it got me thinking. It was this real crossroads for me because I was in this situation where I had married the right guy. I had these three beautiful, healthy, wonderful, loud, rambunctious children. And when the doctor explained 
the fact that esophageal tumors are not only very rare, but they're usually cancerous and they're usually life-threatening. Um, there was this array. So I could get, I could get in on the operating table and it could be cancer and they would give me um, a few months and send me to hospice. Or I could get in and it could be feeding tubes forever. It could be mm. um, inability to um, process food. So you'll have to have a feeding tube and maybe, uh, you know, some other, you know, other things. And it was just this massive, like, da -da -da -da, all the way up to radiation, chemo, or we can resect it and do some, some additional surgeries and you'll be fine. So I, of course, assumed I was going to die. So I started planning my own funeral because, you know, what 34 year old has an esophageal tumor that cuts mm. off their, um, you know, esophagus. Like I was like, how is this, like, how am I this lucky? Come on. Like, mm -hmm. how does this happen? But um, it made me think it was the first time in my life that I stopped and really thought about the things that I had done. Um, if I was happy, uh, with the choices that I had made when it came to my career, I knew I, I knew that personally I had done the things that I wanted to do. I had these three kids. I, I married the right guy. But I looked at my life and I was like, you know, I remember when I was eight and I said I was going to I was going to write books. And I remember when I was 12 and I said I was going to be on Saturday Night Live. And I remember when I was 15 and I really wanted to like I was the weirdest kid I loved Barbara Walters like nobody's business like I mm -hmm. wanted to be Barbara Walters I wanted to interview these like famous and infamous people and like politics like you name it like I wanted to do Barbara Walters job and I remember thinking to myself if I die when I go in for this surgery or if they tell me that this is cancer and they can't fix this I didn't do the things that I said I was going to do. And so I went in for the surgery and luckily the tumor was, uh, they were able to remove it. They did have to take a large chunk of my esophagus with it. So I did have to have two more surgeries after the fact to continue to you know, sort of keep my organs all inside. Mm -hmm. my but they said to me, Hey, you know, you're going to be able to eat. You um, do not, you know, you don't have to have any chemo or radiation. We were able to get this entire thing, um, you know, go about your business. And I, you know, looked at my husband and I remember saying, I, I have things I'm, I have to do. I have things I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and he said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so I, I had the surgery in August. I wrote my first blog entry on my blog page, October 1st. And ever since then, I, if I wanna do something, I find a way to make it happen. And nobody is gonna tell me no. Now you can tell me no, I'll still find a way. I'll go ask somebody else. So what do you think you can contribute your success to? Because like you said, you have over 3 million followers on Facebook and then you're up to 350,000 on Instagram. What do you attribute your success to? Well, I think what people want is to be seen and heard. And so I do my very best each and every day to share the stories and to share the things that I'm going through that I believe they will relate to. 
And I do that because I remember sitting in my closet crying and thinking, oh my gosh, woe is me. Nobody could possibly understand, you know, the fight I just had with my husband or the argument I just had with my kids or the problem I'm having at my son's school or um, after a therapy session with my youngest who's uh, on the spectrum and has a uh, a brain injury from a birth injury or a brain brain damage from a birth injury. And so I remember thinking it's, you know, woe is me, woe is me. And it's like, well, wait a minute. There are so many people whose children will be or have been diagnosed mm-hmm. with autism. There are so many women who are fighting with their husband because their husband is not participating in the, in the daily household chores mm-hmm. and they're struggling or they're not listening to their spouse, or they're not, you know, they, they're not feeling like they're being heard. There are so many women who have three kids under the age of eight and, you know, are doing diapers as well as, you know, running around and chasing mm-hmm. these kids. So I, I, I finally got out of my own way and realized, number one, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And number two, I, you know, why not talk about these things? You need to stop. Let me let let me open the door. Hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is Ruth, and Ruth is very ill-behaved, much like much like the children. Do you need to go out? Is that what this is about? Can somebody please put out Ruth? Thank you. I'm sorry. That is my. That was that was her letting me know that she needs to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and if I don't let her out, she'll go on the floor. Oh, um, that one just like that. <laughs> yeah, and and she's a big dog, so we do not want her doing that on the floor. But um, so I, I just want I want I want these women to know that I'm here for you. I've got your back. You know, you can you can come to our community and vent and talk about these things and enjoy a space where you really are in good company. Like this is it's it, it's. Being a woman, a wife, and a mother is not only not easy, mm-hmm. it's and and it's exhausting and it's overwhelming, um, and, and it's joyous and it's wonderful, but it's it's complicated. And if we don't talk about the complicated side of motherhood and we continue to just show this like bed of roses Hallmark TV crap, pardon my language, it's not we're not going to be able to have real open discussions. Mm-hmm. about the way we feel in in our role as mothers. That is so true. Honestly, I I have been watching your Facebooks and I love how you're just getting on and you're you're like your hair's up however you fix it that day and and you're you're folding your laundry and you're just talking because that's what moms do, but I think a lot of people out there think these curated mom vi- versions of television, you don't see moms doing laundry anymore. You don't you see moms going out and getting all the 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 money and not doing anything at home anymore. So I love that. Well, because here's the thing, I, I've said it time and again, first of all, you can't have everything all the time. You can't, I don't believe in balance. I believe you, you sacrifice certain things. You can attempt to maintain some form of balance, but the whole thing is uh, it, it's a give and take. It's between, you know, you know, my husband and I both work together now on this. He produces my podcast. He um, helps me when I'm, you know, creating content. Sometimes he'll shoot my videos. We usually kill each other when he shoots my videos, but you know, he's 
I need his help. He, it's just, it's, it's really just, it's a very small operation that we have here. But I do all the laundry. I do the majority of the dishes. If you're looking at my socials or you're watching me, you're going to see me doing the things that we're all doing because who else is going to do it? That's what I say to my husband all the time. He'll say, oh, leave it, leave it. We'll get to it later. I'm like, who is we? Because mm -hmm. you're not going to do it later. I'm going to do it later, you know? And so, of course, you're going to see me in my, this is my element. Um, and I also go out and, and in a normal world when it's not COVID, I am flying to do shows and, and doing some really fun, cool, exciting things. But when I get home, the piles of laundry are still there. Um, <laughs> real life. <laughs> and so real life happens. And I just feel like, why not come along for the ride, right? Come along. Uh, on the journey, because that's, that's what, that's what real life is. And I always say, you know, when people say, so what do you think about these curated moms, these Pinterest worthy, perfect, filtered, wonderful. And I say, you don't know her when the, when the video turns off or when the door closes, you don't know her. So we have no clue what's going on behind the scenes of that completely curated life. So I'm not about to throw stones, but what I will say is, if you're doing that because you think that's what society wants to see from you, I beg you to show us who you truly are because that stigma needs to go away because the, the, the cultural uh, norm of what a mother should look like is so outdated and it's so not what we are today as moms. And I'm a mom is one thing that I'm one, one part of me as a mom. I also have a name. It's Meredith. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm also a wife. I'm also a sister. I'm also a friend. I'm also a business owner. I'm also a comedian. I'm also mm -hmm. an author. I'm also a podcaster. We have all these parts to us, right? I mean, to say Melissa is a mom and that's it is doing a terrible disservice to who Melissa is, mm -hmm. you know? So for me, I, I, I get really passionate when somebody says, well, you know, mom should fit in this one box and this is, you know, and that's who you are and that's all you are. And, and once you've had those kids, that's it. And it's like, what, what do you mean? That's it. They're going to grow up and leave. Mm -hmm. I still have to be Meredith when they're, when they're done and gone and grown and going off to have their own kids, you know? Yeah, because I'm in that empty nest phase now. My youngest is 18, so I'm got mm. that empty nest going on. I have three girls, 25, 22, and 18. So oh, I'm wow. on the flip side of it, but still, it's hard. But, and and you are now in that situation, in that empty nest situation, which is the goal, right? You want to mm -hmm. launch them and get into that. But once you're there, once you're in that spot. It's so important to know that you have a, a, a purpose that is other than serving those children and serving that spouse and being that, you know, person who does the doer of all things, as I say. So you better know what you like, what you want to do, how you mm -hmm. want to spend your time, because it, it really is. I hate the cliche saying, but it, it happens in a blink. Like I was looking at I hate those Facebook memory things that come up in your feed from mm -hmm. like years ago, five years ago, I just saw a picture of my youngest who's 10 and he was curled up in my lap, the size of like a cat mm. and it was just like on me and asleep and like drooling on me. And I was just sitting there 
And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like he's so big now, you know, it really happens quickly. And that's why I think moms get lost in motherhood. It goes mm -hmm. so fast and you're trying to keep up and you're trying to get all the things done and then you forget who you are. Yep. And then you blink and your youngest is 18 and you're like, oh no, what am I supposed to do now? Who am I? Yep. It's like you have to go through a whole new identity crisis to try to figure out who you are separate from being a mom. Exactly. Which is why I'm so big on trying to get women to recognize those things along the way as their kids are even small, mm -hmm. because I don't want it to hit you out of the blue. You know, mine hit me as a result of this health scare that I had. That tumor was a gift and it made me realize, whoa, you put your whole life on hold to be a mom. So you're just going to not do anything for you or be anything you want for the next 18 years. Wait a minute. Hold on. That causes resentment. That causes mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, unhappiness. It causes all of these things because you have, you can be a mom and still be you. Yep. You sure can. So what do your kids think about your career now? I'm just the annoying mom, you know, I'm just, uh, the embarrassing, annoying, uh, naggy mom who yelled at them to bring their laundry in so I can start another load. I don't know how many times in my life I've said, let's, I have to start another load of laundry that it's gotta be a bajillion. Um, but they think, you know, some of it they, they think is neat. Um, they think it's funny when people recognize me out in public, because uh, they'll say to them, you know, my mom's not really famous. And I'm like, honey, they, no, nobody thinks I'm famous. You know, it's, you know, normally I'm getting recognized either in the grocery store or Target. So, you know, that's where the moms are, right? Uh -huh. um, but because they're like, you know, my mom's not famous. I'm like, look, Sophia, dear, sweet child, nobody is fine. Just hush. These are mommy's people. You know, this is this is mommy's friend. Um, but they, you know, they laugh and giggle about it. They get excited when we get to do fun things as a result of my job. That's always mm -hmm. fun for them. We've taken some really cool trips. Um, and that that's neat. Of course, they love it when mom gets invited to Disney World. Of course. Uh, because that's, yeah, because that's fun for them. Um, but, you know, I mean, really, I have to say our life is is it's just like pretty much every other, you know, every other family, we go to school, we, we clean, well, normally we go to school, uh, clean house, do all of the normal things, take all of the normal trips. You know, my youngest loves to skateboard, my oldest plays tennis, my daughter is in middle school. So she's all angsty and confused with life, mm -hmm. which I don't envy. I, I feel like I'm going through second puberty. Mm -hmm. and it's awful. Oh my gosh. Um, the mean girl drama. Wow. Yep. Uh, but I mean, it's the normal stuff. And we just kind of, we just take everybody along with us, right? It's like a really low budget version of reality TV. Yep. And that's what we do, you know? I mean, uh, who wouldn't love to be a Kardashian? But that is not who we are. You know, that is not what I call reality. That is a very augmented reality. Only the Kardashians know what it's like to be uh, a Kardashian. Yeah, that's so true. And you talked about your husband helping you full time. What is that like? Because obviously you're probably twenty four seven around each other. Or yeah, I mean, for the you know, for the most part, his desk is right over here next to mine. Um, he does all 
I'm not, like I said earlier, I'm not an organized person. I have a calendar on my phone, literally a calendar on my desk and notepads everywhere because I, I have to, I have so many thoughts and ideas. I'm constantly writing things down, but there's no organization with them. So it's his job to kind of decipher that and create it and make it organized. And then, you know, obviously he helps with the podcast because that's a huge to do, as you know. And so he, he gets it, gets it edited and gets it all set up so that we can, you know, get it out. He lines up the guests. When I say, you know, see if this person will be on our show, see if this person wants to be on. Um, he helps, like I said, with the video stuff. He helps anytime, you know, uh, somebody reaches out for something uh, outside of the book because the book was through, you know, the publisher. But, um, but I mean, he was, he, you know, he sat with the, which is his job as the father. He sat with the kids while I wrote the book. I mean, there were chunks and chunks of time where I just say, I need the whole weekend. I need three, I need to write for three days. I need you to just let me sit out here and write for three days. And, you know, uh, you know, he kept them alive. Uh, the house wasn't clean and the, di and the dishes weren't done and the laundry wasn't done, but I did get, you know, chunks of time to write the book. Um, but it's, it's very interesting. We're very different people. So we see things very differently, which is probably the only reason that it works. I, I don't understand how people who are very similar can remain married. Cause sometimes I wonder like how anything gets done. Cause like I will poke and prod him to get certain things done. And he does the same for me. Cause obviously there are things that I don't mind doing. And then there are things I dread. Mm -hmm. And we kind of have to force each other to do, you know, the other thing. Um, so I don't know, but we've managed now. I, I think it's been, gosh, I don't even know what year. I feel like it's been since 2017. Wow. You took off really fast then. So I know there's bloggers that don't take um, off as fast. Well, I started in 2014 and then I had my first viral video in 2016 because I went from, I, I, I switched from solely writing to adding the video component, which was a big thing for me because I was trying to figure out how to get my jokes to come across because I'm so sarcastic mm -hmm. and I have such a dry sense of humor um, that I needed something to kind of pair with the writing that I was doing. And it, it was just, it was the same time that Facebook started um, really promoting video on their platform mm -hmm. to compete with YouTube. And so I was watching it and I was like, you know, all these people are making videos and they're putting videos out on Facebook. I bet I could do that. And my husband's like, yeah, yeah, make a video for Facebook. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And he's like, okay. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it. And so I started making videos and in, in, in May of 2016, I had my first uh, viral video, which was what moms really want for mother's day, which is to be left the hell alone. <laughs> and I, like, I, you know, you, it was the weirdest thing because I went from having literally like, I don't know, maybe there were 3000 followers on the page at that point to the end of that month, we had 60,000. Wow. After that first viral video, it just went crazy. And you either loved it or you hated it. This video was had 10 million views over a weekend and you 
it was a 50-50 split. You either hated me for the things I was saying about mothers and Mother's Day, or you were like, preach, yes, girl, mm -hmm. yes. So it was a it was very polarizing. And I think that that's the other reason that my stuff has a tendency to do well is because it, it can be very polarizing. The things I'm saying, you either love it or you hate it. Like I'm not lukewarm. Nobody comes here and is like, you know, you know, I, I, nobody stays if they're wishy-washy about mm -hmm. me. Like you love me or you hate me. I feel like it's uh, it's very, it's very one or the other. So where do you get your ideas for your everyday life for your videos? Is that where you get your ideas from inspiration? Well, yeah, I feel like there's no need to search. Um, sometimes I get, I, I, now this is solely on TikTok because I don't, I don't see this a lot on Facebook, but TikTok is a very weird platform. Um, and it's, it is driven by, by these kids, these teens and young adults. And so it's, it's, it baffles me because I'm 40 and I don't really understand it, but most of it is, staged, right? Like this is all staged, um, sketched out stuff, which I, you know, I do some of that on Facebook, but um, my stuff is all uh, these real life topics or ideas or things that happen. So like I might make a sketch video about loading the dishwasher and how my husband does it wrong. And I have to, and I get pissy mm -hmm. because I have to reload the dishwasher, right? I feel like there are lots of women who can relate to reloading a dishwasher or re you know rewashing or re you know cleaning something your husband has quote unquote already cleaned and it's like well you clearly didn't clean this because there's syrup all over the counter so how did you clean the kitchen and miss a gallon of syrup right yep. um and so i might sketch those things or i'll just talk about them or rant about them but i i feel like because i'm 40 my take on these things obviously is resonating with other women my age. Um, so some of these new platforms, I just, they blow my mind because I don't understand how anybody can have 300 million subscribers, but these kids are out there and they are slaying it and killing it. And um, my hat's off to them, but I am an, I am a uh, uh, older mom. I'm slower. <laughs> I do things at a bit of a slower pace. So my daughter's like, we need to, we need to get up there on, on TikTok and really start competing. And I was like, no, no, I'm not here to compete. Mm -hmm. I'm here to watch what these other children are doing and then maybe throw a video up every, I'm not here to compete. This is not my speed. This is much too quick for me. Mom is much slower. Um, but I just think life gives you a lot of ideas. There's no need to come up with something, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's like, look at everyday life. Look at the stuff that we're all going through, you know? Yeah. So how has COVID made you switch? Cause obviously you said your kids are home, right? Um, two are back at school. The third is not. Um, and that's once again, we're just waiting to see with numbers and cases if we stay open. I'm hoping we do because the elementary and the middle school have done a great job. Um, the high school has just exploded with cases because they're high school kids and they don't follow rules and they don't wear their masks and they lick each other. So it's <laughs> bound to happen. Um, so my high schooler is at home, which he hates it, but he understands like, you know, there's no reason to, to, to go to school in the middle of this at this moment. But um, 
it's it's definitely been a really weird year for everyone, I think. Mm -hmm. It has caused us to spend way more time than we would normally spend together. There aren't extracurricular activities. My kids aren't playing, the, the oldest plays tennis, which is acceptable because they're socially distanced, mm -hmm. but my youngest can't play soccer. He can't play flag football. He's, um, and he is the kid who needs those sports because he is a 24 seven go, go, go. Oh, wow. The kid, the kid has ADHD. Uh, he's um, on the spectrum. He is just like a, he's constantly moving. So this has been hard for him and for us because he needs the outlet. So he is on his skateboard or his bike every afternoon after school for hours. He just goes. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been hard. It's been it's been very weird, but it's also made us reflect on and be grateful for the things that we have and the time that we have. And it's given us the opportunity to kind of slow down a bit because I haven't traveled. Mm -hmm. The last time I, I, I flew for work was February. So, and I was traveling sometimes twice a month. So it's, it's given us, you know, we've slowed down and just kind of um, focused on what we, what we could do. Cause like I tell my kids, you can only control yourself. We can't control what's happening outside in this crazy mm -hmm. world around us, but we can control the things that we do and the choices that we make. And so that's what, that's what we'll do. So when you get up every day, do you have a set schedule? Like today I'm going to go on Facebook live or you just kind of wing it? And just to say, you know what? I feel like going on live today. No, I haven't. I am so scheduled. It's not even funny. My husband has made me color coded schedules. He times, places, everything. Um, and that is helpful to me because I have so much anxiety. It, I know like mm -hmm. every day I go live on Facebook at one o'clock during the week. Every Wednesday night, I have my wine day show. Every Friday morning, I have my filter free show. Every Thursday night, I have a, a I co-host a show with um, my friend Dina from One Funny Mother. Every Thursday, we record podcasts. Every so we have very set, set schedules in that sense. Um, I make videos when I have an idea. I try to get one up every week, but like this week, there won't be a new video. We've been trying to get ready for Thanksgiving, which mm -hmm. is really not that difficult this year because it's just the five of us. But um, the stores have been out of things. So I've had to go to several stores to get what I need for one meal. So, you know, like those types of things this week, I was just like, I doubt I'll get a new video up, but everybody knows I'll show up for our one o'clock lives. I'll show up for the shows. Um, I try to stay connected as much as I can because this community has been such a support to me. And especially during COVID, I want to be a support to them. So they show up for me. I show up for them. Now you talk about Thanksgiving. Um, you, the holidays are mentioned a lot in your book about your in-laws coming and then relatives coming to so talk about that. Cause that is, that's so funny. I was dying on that part. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's going to be really weird this year because we won't have people coming, you know, my, my in-laws, um, I laughed out loud when I was reading the audiobook of my book because we talked about, I was talking about my mother-in-law in, in one instance and, you know, we had this falling out and literally after the book was published, she wrote me an apology letter 
like a genuine apology. And I said to my, I said to my um, editor, I was like, can we write like an addendum? Cause my mother-in-law actually did apologize. And she's like, nope, the book has gone to print. And I was like, oh, well, okay. That ship has sailed. Um, but my, you know, but we did, we had a couple of years ago, we had this falling out and it was very awful that to have in-laws that you were not um, on good terms with. But as a, as a logical human being, I needed to uh, disconnect from the toxic relationship and just say, I have to live my life. And these are the things that we have to do. You can see your grandkids. Obviously, this is your son. I will never tell you not to spend time with your child or my children, but I don't have to be involved. And um, she then she eventually apologized. And so things have been uh, things have been better, but they don't live close to us. So uh, this is the first year that we actually will have no uh, family visiting. Um, and it's very weird um, because normally in a non-COVID world, I would we would travel to see them or more my parents or whatever. But, you know, nobody really wants to receive visitors from the outside area, which we understand. So it's like, no, we'll we'll just stay home this year. Um, but normally, you know, we have a lot of chaos at the holidays because we're a big family. I'm one of four. Um, and all of my sibling, to, my, my brother has four kids. I have three kids. My other brother is expecting his first child. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister is getting married this year. So there are a lot of things coming up. So I'm hoping March, when my sister gets married, that we'll have been vaccinated by that point. Mm-hmm. And can have a a regular, so to speak, event. You know, wouldn't that be great? So we're hopeful for her wedding in March that things will be quote unquote, you know, getting back to normal. But I have learned that 20, you know, from 2020 that I have no clue what's going to happen. Wow. But I think another one of my favorite parts of the book was when you talk about when you're going to the bathroom and, mm. you know, when your kids are like... They won't bother dad when dad's in the bathroom, but when mom's in the bathroom, it's like, it's like no holes bars. It's free. No, right. they, they come right in. They don't care if you um, shut the door. They don't, they come they barging in and it's like, you know, and, and they say, well, you don't smell as bad as dad. And I'm like, well, okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate that I don't smell as bad as your father, but I still want privacy just like dad gets. I don't need you in here. It's not like they're, they're small anymore. Mm-hmm. My youngest is 10. They still come in to the bathroom. It's like, no. And people always say, well, lock the door. Here's the reason I don't lock doors. Um, my kids are still at that point, even at 10 and 11, where they could set something on fire. And if I need to run through quickly, I don't want to be messing with a locked door. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lock doors for very specific reasons. There's pretty much one reason I lock my door. <laughs> and that is the only reason I lock the bedroom mm-hmm. door. But like if I'm in a bathroom and I need to make a very quick getaway to like extinguish a fire or separate two children that are uh, having fisty cuffs, I just don't lock doors. Um, obviously, I guess that could that would could work. But I just I don't know why they can't just respect a closed door. Don't come in. Get out. Maybe I'll eat more beans. I don't know. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, but honestly, honestly, I think a lot of people who would read this book um, will 
definitely identify with the fact that dad can be sitting there, but they go straight to mom. Dad can be sitting right next to them, but if something happens, they go straight to mom with the question. Are they ask mom to do it instead of dad? Every time, every time. And it's like, he's right here. That's why I actually have a shirt in my, in my merchandise store that says, go ask your father. I literally had to make a shirt that said, go ask your father because he is right there. Like you do not need to ask me for a snack or ask me for a drink or ask me to help get something off of a shelf. You have a father who is right there. And I, I finally was just like, I'm not, no, I'm not helping you. There's another able-bodied parent here. Go ask them, you know, and it, you know, eventually it did work. And they did start asking him for things, but they also know because kids are smart, what to ask me for versus asking him for, because they know what he's going to say no to. And they know what I'm going to say no to. So like every other kid on the planet, they know how to manipulate you and play you off mm -hmm. of each other because kids are smart. Yeah. So let's talk about the book. How did it come about? Did they reach out to you or did you have a proposal and just, Oh yeah. No. Well, I had a, um, a book agent who, uh, she's wonderful. Rachel, um, very, very lovely woman. She was after me for like six months and I just would not give her the time of day because I was like, nobody's going to pay me to write a book. So I need you to just not ask me anymore. And she was like, no, no, no. I think what you're doing on your Facebook page, I think what you're doing with your community, I think you need to have a published book. Um, cause I did self publish my first book. And so I said, okay, if you think that we could put this together and somebody's going to bite, I'm for it. Um, and so we did put together a proposal and we did, in fact, um, Simon and Schuster did decide that they were going to publish the book. And it, it changed a, a bit. Like I said, it went from this very long form narrative to more of these uh, digestible bite sized topics and pieces, because I felt it was important for a mom to be able to pick up the book and read a section and put mm -hmm. it down and not be lost in the story. Like mm -hmm. you can just pick it up and read something. And then if you can't come back to this book for two weeks, that's fine. You're not going to miss anything. You can just come back, pick up, pick it up again and read another story. You know, like I said, one doesn't have to do with the other per se. You know, I talk about our road trip in 2019. And then I talk about, you know, my oldest son telling me he wants to date, which was like a, a, a knife in my heart to, going through, you know, the beginning of puberty with my daughter, like it's, it's all over the place. And I love that. It's almost like a manual for moms in a sense. It's like to say, Hey, you're not alone. Yeah. That's the, that was the goal. So I'm glad that it, it, it did that for you. And I hope it does that for others, but I, I am definitely really proud of the book and um, I hope I, I can continue to write more. And as my kids go along the journey, obviously you have more stories. Uh, and I do feel like this sort of middle spot is kind of at a loss because there's all these books on babies and toddlers, and then there's mm -hmm. a lot of ungrown and flown, but it's kind of those middle years that, you know, parents are scratching their head and saying, you know, is this normal, which nothing is normal, I say, but is this, is this how other people feel? And, and I say, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because the middle years, you're right. They're the toughest years to parent because yeah the puberty, the hormones and the boys and the girls and the mean, like you said, the mean girls, I had, all, I have all girls. So I had the mean girl. Yeah. Times yeah. Three. So 
it's just that that physical uh, and emotional exhaustion from those types of things is what does you in at the end of the day. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And and it's all part of parenting. But, you know, some days some days can be really heavy and you feel like you're going to cry yourself to sleep and other days. Uh, you know, are just filled with laughter and the kids, everybody gets along and it goes great, um, you know, or somebody, you know, craps on the floor. You don't know what you're going to get, you know, could be a dog, could be a kid. I don't know. I don't know. So you have three kids, two dogs and a husband. So tell us about what a typical day in the life of Meredith is. It's your it's your typical day, you know. We get up, we get the kids off to school. Um, I'm a, a bit of a workout fanatic. It's how I get my anxiety out. So I work out every morning. Uh, I come into the office. I reply to emails. I reply to Facebook comments, Instagram comments. Um, you know, just check in to see how people are doing in our online communities. We've got a supporter page. We've got some private Facebook groups. Then I'll do our one o'clock live, uh, try and figure out what's gonna be for dinner. I hate that we have to think of what's gonna be for dinner every day. That's mm -hmm. exhausting. Then I'll figure out what's gonna be for dinner. Um, uh, my husband is usually the one who cooks, but lately I've been the one who's been you know, pulling the cooking card for some reason. Um, and so I'll get dinner going, I'll do some laundry, I'll do some dishes. I mean, it's really, there's nothing glamorous. There is nothing super fun and exciting, but it's the stories of what we go through throughout the day that I connect with every other mom. Yep. And that's, I think why people tune in and I think why they feel like they can relate to me because I'm doing all of the same things that you are doing. I might have something really snarky to say about it yeah. but i'm going through all of those things that you're going through you know i i get my steam facials when i unload the dishwasher um <laughs> you know it's really just that's you know that's what you know i, I watch we sit down and eat it i've got one still at the door we sit down and, and eat dinner together and watch tv um, we are not having these heartfelt, thoughtful conversations at the dinner table. We're watching some, like right now we're binging who's the boss. Mm. So we just, you know, that's what, that's, that's our, that's life. The kids start to go to bed by eight thirty nine o'clock. I try to go to bed by nine or 10, which it never happens. I'm usually in bed by 10 30 or 11. And then we get up and do it over again. And some days I make videos, some days I do other things, but it's very, you know, it's, it's the, it's the same stuff, you know, our jobs might be different, but the things that we go through throughout the day are pretty similar. So, um, your videos, do you have a set that you just sit at or do you decide you're going to pick a random place in your house that just, you're just going to shoot from? Whatever the topic of the video is, I'll, I'll do it around that. There is no set. The only thing that has a quote unquote set is my podcast. I sit in the same chair to do the podcast. Um, but other than that, it's just sometimes I'll shoot in my car. Sometimes I'll shoot in the living room or the kitchen. If we're talking about, you know, making dinner or doing dishes or whatever, it just depends. So you said that you had anxiety. How did you overcome that? I don't think you overcome it. I think you learn how to manage it. 
I don't know that there is an overcome, right? Because every night I just, you know, I, I, I sit and before I fall asleep, I have a million worries that I try to figure out and there's no figuring them out. Um, but I do, I exercise a lot. Um, some days twice, I exercised twice today because that's how I combat it and kind of, you know, give myself the ability to uh, deal with it in that respect. Um, I have tried medications. I've not found one that works. I've had some side effects. I, I, I do therapy, uh, but it's not about, for me, it's not about overcoming. It's about learning how to manage and get having like a toolkit to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we also do some family therapy with my son. So, um, you know, I think you just find ways, you find ways to manage and deal. Um, and especially now during the pandemic, it's ever, I think everybody's been on edge and anxious. My husband is not a very anxious person and this has pushed him right to the mm -hmm. edge. So do you, are you, are you a mask person or no mask person? I'm a, I wear a mask. I believe a mask is about mutual respect in a mm -hmm. time of COVID. So I'm wearing my mask to protect you. And I'm hoping that you'll wear your mask to protect me. Um, I don't believe that COVID is anything political. I think that it became political, but in reality, it's science, right? It's a virus. And yes, we do have flus every year and other things. But um, when you look at the magnitude and how this thing has spread and, um, you know, we're very, we're, you know, knock on wood, we're healthy people, right? We eat well, we exercise. Uh, my kids are not in the really young age. So we're kind of in this middle spot where you see that these kids are really resilient with this and rarely do they even show symptoms. But I'm concerned that if I were to pick it up or chat one of my children, and then we passed it on to an elderly person in the community, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. So we're doing as much as we can to wear our masks sanitize, wash our hands. We don't eat out at restaurants. We do take, take out home. Um, and we've just monitored what we're doing because what we can control, we'll control. Um, we're obviously, we're not traveling. We're not going places over the holiday. I was amazed at how many people traveled this last week for Thanksgiving. Um, but I just feel like this is, this will, we will get over this at some point mm -hmm. in hopefully the near future. Nothing that I'm doing is so imperative that I have to go out and travel or do things because yes, Thanksgiving is a little different this year, but the, the five people that need to be together will be together. Mm -hmm. My husband, myself, my kids, that's, that's all we need, you know? So that's my stance on it. Obviously I know other people feel differently, but that that's my, those are my choices. You know, I will vaccinate. I will vaccinate my family when the vaccine comes out. I know people have been saying, you know, like, that's just, that's my personal view on it. I get the flu shot every year too, though, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's like, I was a teacher. I've been getting the flu shot since I was 22. Yep. That's just, that's my take on it. That's my opinion. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I do wish everybody a healthy, happy, safe holiday. And I do hope that everybody, um, uh, does their best to socially distance and do what they can to squash this thing because everybody wants to get back to quote unquote normal. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. So what would you say to a first time mom? What advice would you give them? Um, I would say, 
You're not supposed to know what you're doing, so it's okay. Go with your gut. When you get a gut reaction, do go with it because your gut, as a mom, I do believe in that intuition and that you can, uh, you know, there have been a lot of times where my gut has told me something and it was right. Um, realize that you are one person. You will not get everything done. Things will fall through the cracks. And make sure that your spouse knows when you need help because they're not mind readers. Mm, I love that last one. Because so many times we think our spouses are mind readers and half the time yeah. they have no clue. No, they're absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, <clears throat> so what's up next for you now? Oh, who? I have no idea, for being honest. I have no idea. Hopefully another book. Um, I'm hoping to pitch uh, a new book in January. So we'll see. I'm working on that and getting that sorted and finished right now. Um, but yeah, I love writing books and doing what we're doing. And like I said, this is our this is our everyday normal. So we just try to share what we're doing with others in hopes that it will help them. So how can people find you? Well, I'm on Facebook at Meredith Masony and on Instagram, uh, Meredith, if that's inappropriate, as well as on TikTok, Meredith, if that's inappropriate. And you can also find us at filterfreeparents.com, which is our parenting website. And of I course, the book is on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. The book. I honestly recommend it for any, especially during COVID, because a lot of people need to laugh. And I think there's a lot of funny stories that that I think this is going to hit home with a lot of people just to laugh and say, Oh, that happened to me too. Or, yeah. Oh, that's what I was hoping for. Obviously I was not, I was not planning on selling a book in the middle of a pandemic by any stretch, but I did hope if nothing else, it would bring some levity, you know, and some laughs. Well, Meredith, I want to thank you for joining tonight and wish you all the best in your endeavors. And I can't wait for book number two, because this book is, I'm telling you, it's so funny. I loved it. I was sitting there laughing. I was like, I got to stop. Or I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> ah, well, and that's another thing us moms do sometimes is pee our pants. But I thank you for that. I appreciate being on and, and for the support. Um, it is, it, it's, it's important that we stick together because we, you know, us we, moms need each other. And so the more we can lift each other up and help each other, the better. Yep. That is so true. So guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. Wow. Honestly, Meredith's sense of humor did not come across as she does in her writing as she did in this interview, because I think she took a more serious tone to show exactly what this interview was about. But honestly, folks, you really need to grab this book. I have actually put it in the show notes, the link to the book, if you want to buy it on um, the Amazon link. It's, it's an easy read, very short chapters, like she said. And it's basically, you can digest it whenever, like if you're waiting on doctor's appointments or if you're waiting on kids for carpool lines for those that are picking up their kids. If you have a free time, maybe in the bathroom um, or while you're taking a bath, anything, just, to, just so that you can get a little bit of levity and a little bit of spontaneity and some humor in your life during these pressing I mean the pandemic times I honestly loved reading this book and I loved interviewing her and loved seeing both sides of her and the fact that she encourages other moms and women to know that they're not alone is amazing so I really hope you enjoyed this podcast I have a lot of interesting 
people coming up in the next couple of months for this podcast. We're about ready to end season one and start on season two. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to probably take a brief break during the holidays and only put out one podcast, maybe the week of Christmas and the week of New Year's. It just depends. But I really appreciate all those that are listening and I hope you have a great and happy, wonderful holiday season. Um, Remember, the best gift that you can give anyone is the gift of your time, um, the gift of support, and talking about support. You know, there's really nothing better than that you can do to help to, me to, to achieve my goal of getting this in front of other people is to rate this podcast, to re- leave a review on this podcast. It basically only costs nothing but your time, which I so appreciate the time that you take to listen to the podcast. Um, a lot of people ask influencers and stuff, what can we do to help you? Well, that's very simple. Like I just said, like their stuff, share their stuff. It doesn't always mean you have to contribute. It doesn't always mean that you have to buy through their links. It just means that you support them. And that support goes a long way to help us get other people and other campaigns on. So I really appreciate all all you do. I love the fact that you're part of this podcast family. And I can't wait to share another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin with you. So you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start chatting with each other.